content warning. The episode of The Nanny we discuss includes a transphobic joke, which we discuss at varying points throughout the show. And welcome to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. And I'm Mandy. And that's it. That's it. Bye. That was all. So long. Ha 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 ha. The rest of this episode is just dead air. Yeah. I've got nothing. I don't know how to start this episode. <laughs> I genuinely don't have a beginning in mind. I, we had to wait so long. We, I'll let, so, so I'll let you peek behind the curtain just a little bit. It is, it is Monday night. This episode is hopefully releasing on Wednesday. Let's be realistic. Probably releasing on Thursday. Um, we got we got jobs. We yeah. got things. Yeah, we weren't able to record yesterday, and so we are recording kind of late on Monday night. Which is for some reason when Burbank Airport decides to throw every plane at itself. Yeah, it seems like they're not supposed to fly any planes after eight o'clock because they're like a, a voluntary curfew. I think. Yeah, because it's like a residential area, so all of the flights will like seven fifty eight. Every flight, every flight must occur. Yeah, they just they just bombard. It's like World War Two. You just you'll be sitting in your living room, maybe watching I don't know an episode of The Nanny, and then suddenly you'll just hear. But longer, never stopping. But that's not fun. And then there's also to. typically like helicopters and stuff. Yeah. So we have waited. We're now recording this at eight thirty, mm-hmm. uh, which did give us a chance. So. Um, we had initially, um, I had actually suggested like, oh, let's just watch the episode separately. Yeah. That way when we get home, we can just immediately do it. I watched it at work. And about 20 minutes after I watched it, I realized that I did not remember most <laughs> of this episode. Uh, so we did just watch yeah. it again, which this doesn't bode well for what my thoughts on this episode are. Because the things that I remembered about it were not uh, the great parts of it. Yeah. It was more of the transphobia in it. I remembered that. So heads up to people if we did not already put a warning at the front of this show. The episode has a transphobic joke that we will probably be talking about and calling out. I mean, when I say it's not very good, I don't mean, oh, it's a bad joke about a funny subject. I mean, it's a not great joke about it. It is a a real, it is just a cheap, uh, like, the exact kind of cheap uh, transphobic jab that you you would expect. It's a real J.K. Rowling of a a mess. (laughs) Yeah, Niles is being a real turf. Yeah, he's 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 definitely bought multiple copies of various Wizarding World books. He was uh, big into that Cuckoo's Calling series. And like, yeah, uh, we gotta protect the women in the bathrooms. Yeah. Do we want to just jump straight into it? Yeah, uh, should we talk about what which episode we're oh, actually we talking should, about? We? The one uh, that you might want to avoid if you don't want to have the transphobic joke. Yeah, this is season two, episode five, Curse of the Grandmas. Which on HBO Max... It is season two, episode four. Ah, so it's like an episode behind. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get back in sync again soon. Um, we still have one season one episode left. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's uh, let's talk about this uh, not great episode of the nanny. Yeah. 
This episode starts with Gracie and Fran coming down the stairs in a kind of Girl Scouts brownie kind of uniform thing that's kind of tan with red accents. Yeah. This episode, the opening uh, title song is wrong because it is Fran the one in tan and she is in two different uh, beiges. Yeah. Her uh, top is in a very warm khaki um, and her skirt is an almost like it's a blue tinged beige and it pisses me off. So... Uh, warm top tinged bottom. Yeah, like it is like it is a warm a warm tone brown on top. Hang on, hang on. I think I need to take that again because I said something very funny just then and you didn't laugh. No. So let's try that again. So warm top tinged bottom. I don't. Hang on. Maybe let me let me just <laughs> I don't see what's funny. Let me, one more time. One more time. Okay. <clears throat> warm top tinged bottom. You can't tickle me to get a laugh from I tried. me. That is I can cheating. definitely try. No, you're cheating. You're fine. <laughs> no, I am too full of fury at the mismatched mm. uh, colors. As someone, I didn't of- notice it because oh, this is the second time watching the episode. I didn't notice it. Oh, I always notice it. it like so, right now I am in leggings and a sweatshirt. Uh, they are both black. I am hyper conscious of the fact that they are two different blacks. Um, it took me years to get comfortable, particularly in just casual clothing, that I can wear two different blacks and no one else is going to notice it's that okay. they are two different yeah. blacks. But I notice. You know. I know. Yeah. The conceit of this episode, as is outlined very quickly in the cold open, is that Fran had volunteered to be den mother to Red Robins, I guess they're called. Is that a real yeah. thing? Or is that kind of their off-brand sitcom universe version? Yeah, I think it's just like uh, off-brand Girl Scouts. Gotcha. It's the, a version of the Girl Scouts that they made up themselves so they don't have to pay a licensing fee. Yeah, and cool. like it it works because the Girl Scouts have all the different names. I was a Girl Scout. Hmm. Um, I had a very bad time in the Girl Scouts because I was a Girl Scout in the Deep South. And I was a Catholic, which they thought uh, was pagan. That was as good as pagan when you're in the deep south. So, like, every Sunday, uh, the troop leader would make us do a, like, she would give a sermon and she would glare at me the whole time because I was not the right religion. You were not, you were the wrong flavor of Christianity. Yeah. Also, none of the other kids liked me because I read Harry Potter and that was when it was, like, demon worshiping. And mm. I know today that is a Harry Potter's a red flag of, like, if anything, now they would be into Harry Potter because of all of the transphobia yeah. stuff. Cool, cool, cool. But back then, it was just like, oh, Mandy's yeah. into witch shit, and that's why she's a Catholic pagan, and like, kids would refuse to share a tent with me. Oh, that's cool Because they fun. thought that I that's would great. possess them. Yeah. Um, and did you? No, I was kind of just busy being called, because we also, like, there was a... We were earning badges based off of, like, you had to go camping every season. Mm. Uh, don't go fucking camping in the winter. Even... It was Florida, so we didn't die... But still don't do it. Who's not, camping in the winter? Who's doing that on purpose? Who's fun. making that conscious choice? We also, I also got in trouble because we were getting, so I got the highest uh, one that you get as a, I only got up to junior. Um, so as a junior, the highest award that you can get is the bronze award. Mm-hmm. And then in like later Girl Scouts things, they have a silver award and a gold award. So there was the bronze award. And part of it is you have to do a charity thing. And the, our charity thing was like a shoe, like we had to put stuff in a shoe box and then people were going to go on a mission and give kids these shoe boxes mm. for Christmas full of stuff. And in every single one of them, we were supposed to put in a Bible. And I kept taking out the Bible and putting more toys in it. Because <laughs> I was like, I think I think they were, they were going like somewhere in South America, I think. And I was like, 
well, one, this Bible's in fucking English. I don't, like, and you could just get a Bible fucking anywhere. They're probably going to give them a Bible anyway. Give them more toys. I, I can't believe you, Mandy. You have, de- you have deprived children on the other side of the globe a valuable source of toilet paper. And I think you deserve, you should feel sh- ashamed. Because that's, it's thin ply, as, I, I presume, depending on the type of Bible. Yeah, but was. we were giving them, like, coloring books and shit. There was still, there was still plenty of stuff. Yeah, you're, um, not gonna, you're not going to wipe your ass with a, 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 a picture of a donkey that you've coloured in. Yeah, so I had I had a very, very bad time in the Girl Scouts. That was mm. actually uh, what taught me that uh, adults are kind of bullshit. And because uh, that troop leader later did find out that Harry Potter wasn't satanic and actually apologized to me. And I was like, oh, adults are shit, though. Yeah. Adults are stupid. And then I I mean, good lost- for apologizing. I mean, it's still shitty behavior, but at least you got an apology. Yeah, like at the very least, yeah. I kind of got that. That was after, uh, like, years mm. of uh, some, like, varying emotional abuse. And my mom also fighting with this woman regularly of like, oh, hey, you can't take my child away and then bully her all weekend. Yeah. And then incur, like, when the rest of the kids are bullying her, egg them on and say that they're right because... She's a different religion. Yeah, that's not cool. That's which very also was not the cool. same. Literally, we were all fucking Christian. It yeah. wasn't even like I mean, it's not warranted if some if it was a kid that did was yeah. legitimately a different religion. But just the fact of like you are so stupid that you don't realize that Catholics are also down with Jesus. They spent a lot of time telling me about Jesus and be like, yeah, no. We got a giant statue of him that I have very confusing feelings about. Speaking of giant Jesus (laughs) statues, that's shockingly going to be something that does come back later in this episode. But uh, Fran is talking about how she's going to take them on their first field trip. And their first field trip is going to be to her grandmother's... Is it it a nursing home? Yeah, it's a grandma yet is... like. I don't know if there's a difference between a nursing home and an old folks home. I don't think, I don't know that there is. I mean, I guess like, because I know that there, because there's a place right by here that is like, a, like it's an apartment complex, but it's yeah. specifically for older people. Yeah. And I don't know what, like, if they have care staff there or if it's literally just like, hey, hey here's you, apartments are you old? too. <laughs> are you old? Come live with us. We're old too. I think it's tied to like a, there's like a theater there as well. Mm. And we moved here during, or I moved here during COVID. So like it has not been open since, but I feel like they do like theater stuff. Yeah. Uh, It's like an arts commune, but for older people. I dig it. I'd live there. That sounds great. I mean, when I'm older, they won't, they won't, you know what? They won't even take my application now. That's I mean, your, bo- your bones are pretty, are pretty close. My bones are old. If they, if they do a yeah. physical, they'll count you in. But the, the other thing that's happening in this particular episode is it is almost, it will be on the Saturday of this particular episode, one year since Fran came to work for the Maxwell house. Yes, yeah, she has come to the coffee place and she is uh, telling Niles and trying to keep it casual and be like, oh, I don't, I can't imagine that Mr. Sheffield would even like remember the date. But if he does, here's my shoe size. Here's where I would like him to shop. And remember, diamonds are forever. Yeah. He, she lists her favorite James Bond movie and says, if you can get this on VHS, that'd be great. Um... <laughs> So they go to... Well, actually, first thing what happens is... Uh, first thing what happens... I mean, well, pretty sure, didn't I? First thing what happens, right, is Maggie and Brighton come downstairs, yeah? And they say they're going to go get... They're going present shopping. They're going present Gosh, shopping. present shopping. Do uh, I have to do this voice the whole time? Yeah. Oh, no. That's, fucking, <laughs> that's bollocks. Yeah, fuck that. 
It is. I'm it is. It. Is the the ball of locks. The ball of locks. Ball of locks. Bollocks. What is bollocks? It's testicles. Testicles. Did you not know that? I think. I think you've. I think we've me. had this. We've. You've asked me that question a couple of times. Yeah. Hey, quick question. Why do Americans say twat wrong? Uh, how are we supposed to... How do we say it? You say twat. Yeah. Because I think that that's how we interpret British accents. No. It's twat to rhyme with cat and hat and bat and sat yeah, and but Amer- chat. Americans don't think that you can say cat. Cat. It's not... <laughs> I mean, I know, I know that you can. <laughs> but if, if an American is trying to do a British accent, we're not going to do it with a short A. No. Because you're bad. Um, yeah, we're going to do cot yes, and shit. That's bad. But uh, yeah, Maggie and Maggie and Britain are going to get present. Uh, Chester Meffield comes in and asks, hey, uh, are you doing anything Saturday night? And she's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Why? And Maxwell says, well, I can't. Ta- I don't want to tell you just yet. I don't want to tell you just that. Just make sure you're available. Fran definitely interprets this as, oh, he remembers. They're planning something very nice for me. Oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that kind? No. No. Not even going to pretend that that's I what think, happens. I feel like they've done this joke before mm. of Maxwell saying something and Fran interpreting it. It was like, oh, we're going to we're gonna do something on this night and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. But that could be because I also like I watched this on reruns when it's on Cozy TV. So it could also be a later all episode. blur together. Yeah. Also, you've had drinks. Um, so we go to we cut to nursing home. And I have to say all of the exterior shots of the nursing home are film. They are old film. They are not restored. You get like the the splotches and like that line you get through old film sometimes. Like I don't know where they're getting the stock footage from. I think they found it at the bottom of a well. <laughs> um but they they reach the uh, the nursing home and Fran tells all of the Red Robins that they've all been assigned to specific old women, old people. You you adopting a, a grandma, isn't that nice? And Yetta's there. Her grandma, Fran's grandma, is there. It's her it's her grandmother's nursing home. And uh, there's some back and forth between Yetta and Fran. Fran Yetta's uh, a lot of hay is made. A lot of humor is attempted to be drawn out of Yetta's failing memory. He he, ha ha. She does not Ooh, remember who Fran is. She doesn't remember who Fran is. You're, she said, "There's like, oh, you're a bit big for a red robin." And after all of the red robins have kind of scattered, but Gracie comes back and she said, to, "Oh, apparently my uh, my my grandma checked out. Maybe she moved to Florida." No, they said she bought a farm. <laughs> she got a farm. Because oh. apparently her grandma was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> No, she bought the farm. Is what happened. She bought the she, f- bought, she bought the farm, the farm where uh, where Gracie, your puppy, went. Yeah, remember what you puppy? Yeah, you remember that puppy that ran outside and then had to go to a farm? Yeah, it's a big farm upstate where she can run and play with all the other grandmas. I had that. So I had um a a dog. And I was like, oh, entry school. And then my parents divorced and like it happened in middle school. And they split the dog in half. And your dad <laughs> got one half and your mother got the butt. Oh, uh, but, uh, but yeah. so middle school. That was the name we, of the dog. In middle school, we moved uh, into a townhouse. And uh, right behind the townhouse was this road. It was called Racetrack Road. The year that we moved, three kids got hit on that road. Neat. Oh, cool. So, so you were living the plot of Pet Cemetery, is what yeah. happened. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, it was an aptly named road because people did treat it as a racetrack. And 
Oh, we were without my dog because uh, she had a tendency to chase squirrels. And then... And 18 wheelers. Uh, we went on vacation. We always did a yearly trip to uh, the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And one of my mom's friends was watching the dog. And as we came back, my mom was like, oh, my friend's uh, family has like a big farm. And that seems like a better place for Chessie to live. And I was like, well... No, actually, I would like my dog. <laughs> and I was like, well, but it would be a great place for Chessie. He was like, no, but I want my dog. And I was like, well, I thought this conversation would go differently. You're not getting your dog back. And now to this day, she has since told me like, oh, yeah, the dog died of old age. She was like, no, it, it was not a lie. We did put the dog on a farm. We just... Uh, did it suddenly and did not give you the choice to do so. But I cannot but I like... Because it is so much of the fake thing that you say when a dog has died. So I do not know whether Chessie died then or died 10 years from now. I have no concept over Because if I say, oh yeah, I had a dog and then she went to go live on a farm, everyone else assumes that dog died. Yeah, that's fair. But I cannot be sure. The thing that I find the most difficult to understand about this concept about this what the information we're being presented is that gracie is hearing that this woman bought a farm and kicked a bucket and has not gone oh she's dead like gracie how old is gracie supposed to be seven eight yeah she's like elementary school age yeah i feel like i would have concept especially because she's this concept she has already experienced death yeah she knows what death is like i expected a lot that this episode would kind of be like oh we don't want to tell her because she is like her mom has died we do not want to bring that that's not oh, yeah that's Sorry. not a thing no my brain didn't go dead mom my brain went oh yeah imagine when fran ate her imaginary friend she's experienced death like that's where my head went <laughs> But like, yeah. And even then, we were like, "Oh, you remember the time that she cut Fran in half?" <laughs> Gracie controls the universe. Gracie killed yeah, that woman. Gracie killed that because she wanted the cupcake. Because she wanted because she does because she's told she's told. Oh yeah, the the old lady died, and Gracie goes, "Can I eat your cupcake?" That to me felt the most. It's the realest moment in this episode because that is exactly how I used to. Let me tell you something that's fucked up. When I was a kid, when I was like eight or nine, I would periodically just go to my dad and say, "Hey, Dad, when you die, can I have your computer?" Just casually. Okay, but when he died, did you get his computer? That's beside the point. Did you? I got his microphone. I didn't get his computer. I think, I think Linda still has the computer. Take the computer. I'm not going to take the computer. I I have my... I have an but, you, but you called it. I have... <laughs> the time you were small. Well, specifically, I called the Amiga 1200 that he had. And now I have a better Amiga 1200. Checkmate, Dad. <laughs> You don't need his Amiga. I don't need your Amiga because I broke it in You don't school. need your lady friend. Yeah. We will need it. Yeah. But yeah, she's like very chill about it. And uh, there's remarks about how chill she is. And then I don't remember how this scene ends. So I think we just move on to the next one. Yeah, I think yeah, they- it just, it just uh, moves on of uh, Gracie gets the cupcake and is very chill about people dying. Which yeah. I guess like you've never even met this woman. Yeah. My step-grandmother... Uh, my stepdad's mom, when I met her, they're like, she's very sickly. She has uh, cancer. We don't know lo- how long she has left. She lived for 27 years. Well, longer. she did kind of, She, I mean, she um, passed. It was like longer because they were expe- like she was on her yeah. deathbed when I met her. And then she recovered and she was OK for a few years. And then she got bad again and then she eventually passed it away. Mm. And it was a very sad time for everyone. But for me, it was, it was like. I met this woman with the understanding that she was dying very quickly. And then she (laughs) 
Pins. She didn't. She stayed. So for me, it was like, oh, she had a great, she had a great time. This was longer than any of us expected. But I was like, she went too soon. And we're like, seven years ago would have been too. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I met this old lady on the understanding that she would die very soon, and she didn't. And I want to know if there's like a manager I can speak to or a funeral director because she, sh- I, sh- she should have been dead. I should not have gotten. I should not have been afforded the opportunity to become emotionally connected to this. I human mean, being. like, re- I was being told she was going to die, and then I would get twenty seven dollars. So, <laughs> oh, I got her. I got her car. Uh, rest in peace, Mary. Thank you for the car. <laughs> Thank you for never driving your '91 Honda Accord that did not have airbags in it. Amazing. But did have automatic seatbelts and uh, automatic windows, which was like an amazing. '91. '91. That's amazing. I, yeah. I don't think any did of the- not have airbags. None, none of the cars that my mom had in the '90s had electronic doodars or airbags. I don't think. We died. We, we, we crashed. We died. Yeah. But yeah, then we just go back We to- go back to the Maxwell house and Fran is finishing up a Red Robin session where she's talking about if you kill a bug in your tits- It's okay. Just use the scarf. It'll cover up the tits and make it look like you got big titties. It'll make it look like you got big titties, though. And then the mother- Then all of the, the parents come and uh, one of the kids, I think her name is Heather- or maybe it wasn't Heather. Yeah, because there was two, there was There's like two, two yeah. Is that Heather with the freckles or Heather with the extra pinky? And this is two pinky Heather mom, which she seems to like uh, as because it's like a little joke of haha. This kid has two pinkies. Yeah. But the mom is very. She's just very. She's like, yeah, I'm. I'm the two pinky one. Like, yeah. there's not anything bad about it. Uh, Fran makes a little joke about how how it's a real treat watching her zip tea. <laughs> Except in England, putting a pinky up is rude. So actually, this kid twice as rude. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, Heather's mom has got it going on, and by on, I mean she wants to hire someone from the household. And Fran assumes, oh well, clearly you want to hire me. I'm great. I've really turned this place around in the last year. And she says, no, actually. All of the kids wax lyrical about how great Niles is. Can you find out if Niles is happy so that we can steal him? Steal Niles yeah. away. Steal Niles from home base, as it were. Before Fran gets a chance to go into uh, Maxwell's office to like pitch this dumb thing, uh, Maggie and Brighton show up and are like, hey, so we wanted to get... A present yeah, there's for a, a friend Mark. There's a little back and forth before of apparently they were going to get a shirt. And, uh, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so it is very good. And here it is. What was wrong with the blouse I picked out for Fran? Oh, no. It was cheap and incredibly tacky. You could see right through it. And what's the downside of that? <laughs> I want to get her something she doesn't already have. And I love it so much because this is my, it is my favorite thing of not only do we tell, like, here's a predicted joke of like, ah, ha, ha, Brighton's a little perv. But no, actually the joke is that Maggie is pretty sure that Fran already owns it <laughs> and has likely worn it in front of them before. It's pretty great, which might be why Brighton wants to get her another one. Yeah, um, like it is. I I love jokes that continue the bit on. Yeah. We're not just going like, oh, we're gonna make it the way that you expect it to go, and then you just go a little further into weird territory. Yeah, it does. The, the The joke goes into the obvious space, but then goes a step further into a space that isn't necessarily as obvious and is twice as funny as a result of building off of the obvious thing. It's like it's very very smart writing. Um, there are a couple of really solid jokes in this episode, I will say, but Fran gives them advice on what to get, quote, their friend Mark, which they're all 
using Mark as code for Fran for some reason. Um, probably because Mark backwards is Fran. Fun fact. Uh, but <laughs> Fran goes into the office and says, you're not going to believe some bullshit. Uh, someone wants to hire away one of your most beloved staffers. And Maxwell immediately says, oh, well, Niles, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Fran is a little upset and like, no, I didn't. I did not say Niles. But yeah, yeah, Niles. And uh, Maxwell's like, yeah, it happens all the time because uh, Niles got good breeding. Yeah, we they bring up his. Br- we mated his mother mated with sea biscuit and do made you, the perfect. Do you, <laughs> do you know how long I spent at uh, the little Pokemon nursery matching different eggs so I could get a shiny Niles? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Niles is great. He can make cream puffs. He prepares the children's lunches. He can count by stamping his hooves. <laughs> Like it's, he's got he's the whole package. People who are trying to snap Niles up all the time. No wonder he's so good. He's so clever. He's got that, that class and breeding. And Niles does say in response to all of this, "I'm hot," <laughs> which is very good. Yeah, it was like it does like it is needed because it takes off the pressure of the. Hey, uh, hey, Maxwell, you got a little eugenicsy there for a minute. Yeah, of you will only take the whitest of butlers. I want the, only the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate tastes like chocolate never tasted before, and and so everyone everyone wants a slice of Niles, which, by the way, is the title of a proposed spinoff following the adventures of Niles after he leaves the household. A slice he go, of he Niles. He goes to Hollywood with uh, Joey from Friends. Yeah, and they do not make it. <laughs> But they do make it as a couple. It's quite heartwarming. Fran responds to this by saying, well, if you ever get any of these calls for me, anyone trying to hire me away, tell them I'm not interested. Uh, which is then followed by, and this is why this is a double-length episode, 27 solid minutes of uh, Chester Mayfield and Niles just laughing their entire asses off. They just laugh. They cackle. There's, and it's no, there's no commercial break. I think that's the most impressive <laughs> thing about it. It is just solid it is, guffawing. It is one take. It's it one is take. all one take from this point on. Just them cackling. Just forever and ever for 27 minutes. And you can see uh, that Chester Mayfield is running out of oxygen. And, but His he just face keeps goes go- so red. Like, yeah, he is. Yeah, it is. It is worrisome. Like they yeah. were. Recall- you could see the paramedics off the the side. Yeah, the camera but he kind just of wouldn't stop cackling. There are a couple of shots where the paramedic actually kind of steps into the shot. Like, should I? Ne- okay, no. Let me back up. And they keep it on it. It's uncut. Amazing. Just phenomenal. I would have looped it. I would have just like recorded them for a couple of minutes and then just loop it. You have got different camera angles on it. Just you know. Cycle, but no, they kept it going. Because they're committed to they're their committed art. They're committed to their art. Because no, like we're committed to this dumb bit. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I do think they edit it for syndication. So if you have watched it on Cozy TV or HBO Max, I think that 27, minute of, 27 minutes of laughter does get cut. Yeah, so you got to get the Shell Factory release. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's this one episode on one disc. That's how long it is. But the bit rate is bad uh so (laughs) fran is offended at the idea that uh no one would want to snatch her up but we're going to put a pin in that bit or the writers put a pin in that bit we're going to go back to the nursing home oh no we don't go back do we not go back to the nursing home yeah because we still got a little bit of fran finally finds out what's happening saturday night yeah oh this still happens in the office as well yeah it happens in the office uh cc makes a comment about plans for saturday night Fran is like, what the fuck? Why are you coming? We do not like you in this home. Maxwell reveals, oh, no, she planned it. 
Yeah. She's planning the whole thing. Fran, like, turns it all around and is like, oh, you were actually sweet and nice this whole time. Oh, boy, did I have you pegged all wrong. Isn't it the people you hate on sight that become your lifelong friends? <laughs> Not always. But no, it's actually that none of them are sweet and nice, and yeah. uh, it is not a thing planned for Fran. No, uh, Maxwell reveals they've actually been nominated for some kind of prestigious theater award that they have to fly to Washington, D.C. to I, claim. They gotta fly somewhere, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's local because they're on TV that same Saturday night, so it's not like a, you know, fly from New York to L.A. Also, why would a theater thing be happening in a- Well, actually, why would a theater thing be happening in Washington, D.C., Writers of the Nanny? Um, it seemed like it was a performing arts thing, so maybe mm. it was like a government award that they Yeah, maybe. So, Fran is quite upset to discover that it's actually all about this theater award and just Maxwell being superstitious, and he hasn't remembered her anniversary at all. Yeah, and he just wanted, he just wanted her to babysit. Yeah. So, we cut to the living room in the Maxwell house where Fran is brushing Gracie's hair. They have her hair kind of gathered up at the top. Um, in like three different sections and then they have it in like a low ponytail yeah. down and they have just removed the ponytail to make it look like oh maybe it's a different day and they're doing it here otherwise it is the same haircut yep <laughs> uh, which just makes it seem like oh this is Gracie's Red Robin haircut yep um, but Fran is just kind of brushing the hair and Maxwell comes in and asks how she's doing and she mumbles I'm fine dying of fire and he says are you sure everything's okay and she says yeah it's fine I hope you choke on your own tongue uh, and so every time he asks is everything okay she says no it's fine she you're says, a great like, boss eat, eat tripe and die eat tripe and die is the last line she says before they leave the house but it's like she says she says oh yeah I'm perfectly fine uh, I hope that every member of your family dies of syphilis she says she's fine and then immediately follows it with venom the tripe and die thing is the I'm like that's not it. That's not an insult. There is, I'm guessing, a different word they wanted to use with an "i" in the middle that they can't say yeah. on national television. And it, it seems also because she's mumbling it the entire time, and uh, sometimes the captions are get it. Sometimes they just say that she's muttering. Yeah. So it's also could be a thing of like it could just be an assumption of she saying it, but just yeah. the even just the captioner's choice of eat, tripe, and die. Captioner's choice is my favorite trucker's pet pill. I <laughs> uh, just it's something it's something that captioners people who write closed captions they take so they can stay awake and alert while captioning a show. Fun fact. Okay. Uh, for a given value of fact. Yeah, but yeah, you gotta get the simulcast up. Fran is, uh, everything's fine. I'm not upset. I hope that you die in a fire and then leaves. Um, and that's when Captain Picard gets the notice that uh, Maxwell and uh, his nephew, Rene, have died in a fire um, while they're on the bridge of a holographic uh, sailing ship promoting Worf to Lieutenant Commander. And he's devastated. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I've slipped into the plot for Star Trek Generations there. It's the first Next Generation movie. I do apologize. It just happens organically. Sometimes you're talking about the nanny, and then it feels like you jump a time track, but and does, suddenly you're talking about Worf Star Trek. does get a promotion? He does get a promotion. Oh, does he get m- more money for his son? <laughs> <laughs> can, yeah, he, he, can he and his son go on more vacations? He gets a 23 cent per hour I don't give rise. a fuck about who dies. I just want to know that Worf is happy. Worf is happy. Okay, good. Worf is in Deep Space Nine. Worf gets married. Worf gets married to the sexiest person on Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's very nice. Yes, I think but we're is, watching Deep Space is, Nine very soon. But is soon. the sexiest person nice to Worf? Yeah, she's great. Okay, that's very that's very good. I really because I, I also like Voyager. I like yeah. I like BLT. I only give a shit about Klingons. Yeah. You like Worf? <laughs> you like BLT? End of list. Yeah. 
You like those one Klingons I haven't that appear been, in lower I haven't been given other Klingons to like. Moving swiftly on. So we go back to the nursing home where Fran is proudly telling Gracie that, oh, I arranged for another, uh, another grandma for you to adopt. Her name is Mrs. Klein. I checked. She's definitely alive. She's the most lively, alive person who ever lived as... The, the the cart is being wheeled by in the background with the body on it. She's like, oh, she holds the uh, the record for the thigh master. She had one rep as they t- uh, as they take a thigh master and they put it on top of the body. As is custom during, you put the item that killed the elderly person on top of the body. Like it is such a good. This is a it's a, it's very well timed. It's very. Well it is done. a fantastic blend of the writing on here is often very smart. It has like a lot of like giving a lot of little quips. This is a planned quip yeah. that they can match with the visual humor yeah. of just seeing the thigh master. It's the thing about this the uh, she holds the the nursing home record for uh for reps one. That's a good bit, but then the visual behind her of the of the thigh master being put on top of the body is just chef's kiss. It is it is perfect. Yeah. Uh, and that's when Yetta comes in and is like, hey, actually, Mrs. Klein, very, very dead. <laughs> because she tried to do she a tried, second she rep. She tried to do a second rep. She... <laughs> and then it is brilliant. Yeah, this is the funniest moment in the whole episode. Yeah, it is It is great. Like, when yeah. this show does great humor, it does phenomenal humor yeah. of doing it, of having the smart little quip from Fran and then having the visual gag of the thigh master yeah. and then having oh, yeah. Yetta come in of the, yeah, she tried to do a second one very, and very it good. fucking killed her. And and Gracie immediately leaps because she is like anxiety in a red hat. What if it's me? What if I'm a jinx? She's like, oh, I am, my psychic powers are killing these people because I keep wanting their cupcakes. And so my <laughs> psychic powers are killing them because I control the universe. Because this is yet another Gracie controls yeah. the universe episode. It's a Gracie controls the episode universe. And uh, Fran says, no, 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 it's not you. You're not jinxing it. You know what? I bet any old woman, would, any of the old women who would love to be your grandma. And that's when every old woman on this set runs off as quickly as they can including one woman in a purple sweater who was sitting like to the far right at the back and runs stage left around the couch to run in front of the camera so yeah, she can like be she, in the shot. She absolutely was like no I want I want my fucking kids to see me in this shot. I'm, They're I'm, gonna know it was in this I'm episode. I'm gonna be in there. I'm gonna get my, my SAG token so I can be SAG eligible. I'm gonna be prominently featured and there's nothing you can do about it. Here I am. Big purple sweater. You can't miss me. Now this woman is probably dead now. As are many of the women in this episode. <laughs> but let's think about that for a moment. She got her fleeting moment of, of camera fr- front and forward. Yeah, front. and we got, like, she got what she wanted. Because yeah. you definitely know, you, like, you pointed her out to me of, like, watch, watch the woman with the purple sweater yeah. and how she veers. Do I know this woman? No. Did I learn her name? I don't think she was credited by name. Are we discussing her long after she has probably died? Absolutely. And is that not in its way immortality? Terry Pratchett once wrote that a person is not dead so long Terry, as they're... Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett once... Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. Let me finish. Terry. Terry Pratchett <laughs> once... Terry Pratchett once wrote that a person is not dead so long as their name is still spoken. If you don't know their name, but you do talk about them a lot, does it count? Oh, well, interesting enough, her name was... 
purple sweater woman. Oh, she had it legally changed after this episode because she predicted that this would happen. Interestingly enough, her name was Terry Pratchett. It's Terry with an I. So this is where Fran has the brilliant idea of, uh, you know what? You're not a bad omen. You're not a jinx. You're not manip- using your psychic uh, powers to manipulate the elderly into dying in exchange for a cup of cake. Uh, and I'm going to prove this by putting you, uh, I'm going to assign you my own grandmother. And Yetta, Yetta, Yetta tries to run. She can't run. She can't run. I'd love to be your grandma. I've lived a good life. We then cut back to the Maxwell house because Chester Meffield is going through his diary trying to remember how periods work in what is, I'm sure, a very funny joke that has aged terribly well. I'm sure it was great when it happened too because we love hearing about uh, how our periods make us crazy. Clearly, Fran is just on a period. She's on a period. She's, you know, blood is coming out. And that's why she's irrationally angry at Chester Meffield. That's yeah. how that works. I did. I, I will forever appreciate the therapist that I had because I, I am someone of, I've not been diagnosed necessarily with like PMDD or stuff, but I, I do know like my emotions kind of fluctuate on a cycle. Yeah. And I had a great therapist where after talking to me week to week, he was like, I don't think that it's your period causing you to have this distress. I think that this is always distressing you. And it's just that little, that it's just the last little straw on the camel's back yeah. for you to no longer take and contain <laughs> yes. all of the bullshit that happens year round. You are just constantly processing bullshit, <laughs> but there is a point in the month where it is too much to carry. Yes. And who, who among us can blame you? <laughs> Not me, a person you are paying to tell you that your brain is bad. That's a gross oversimplification yes. of therapy for a bit, but but it but it yeah. was it was very good. Uh, he was also the therapist where, and now I repeat a similar thing. Of I know a lot of people who are afraid of therapy. Um, I had someone who was a close friend who they were worried about going to therapy because it was like I don't know if I can cry in front of a stranger. And I said, look, you are how much is your copay? You are paying forty bucks each session to go see this person. If you don't cry, you're wasting that forty dollars. That's what you said. That was me. You said that too. I've said that to a few people. <laughs> if you don't cry, you yeah. are wasting this $40. Is, now, is this the same therapist who tried to get you to join that fight club? Or is that a different therapist? I think that was my Girl Scout, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're back on track. We're on the episode. So uh, Chester Mayfield, is he's looking through his diary. He can't figure it out. He assumes it's period because otherwise, what else could it possibly be? I haven't yeah. done anything wrong. But and- the, ti- the time doesn't match up. He asks Cece, uh, to which Niles is his transphobia. Uh-huh. Because uh, Maxwell says, like, Cece, you'll understand. You're you're a woman. You get the crazy bitch mind. Uh, and Niles does it. He's like, we haven't checked her chromosomes. Yeah. We ain't got her chromosomes, though. He says he's waiting on the test results, which... <laughs> It's just upsetting. It's just upsetting. I know it is a thing. This is a sitcom from the 90s. I know shit like this is going to pop up. But that doesn't make it any less disappointing when it does. You know? It's it's such a cheap joke. Again, like, we just had the moment of discussing some phenomenal humor they showed it and how it stacked that humor. Yeah. And then you just have a cheap transphobic gag of, oh, I bet you're not a woman. Let's get your DNA. And it's just, it's just cheap. It's, and it's, it's, it's disappointing. It's the kind of joke that people in Britain would make now. That's how bad that joke is. Yeah, it is like, and it's sad because we have kind of like just now stopped making this fucking joke. 
Uh, mm. But it was always, it was bad. It's bad now. It was bad then. It is cheap. It's nothing. It is incredibly it's frustrating. It is weird because I, I noticed also a thing of, I mean, there are signs telling people when to clap and laugh and they're doing it. This one got a weirdly loud laugh. Yeah. Well, J.K. Rowling and her friends were in town, so, you know, they, they loves them a good transphobia. They're loud guffaws. Mm. And it's also extra unfortunate because it sours the mood to what is then Cece making another actually very good joke. Of yeah. She gets to have her own little monologue of them asking her of how she feels. You men just don't get it. She doesn't hate you, it's her life. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She has a dead-end job with no prospect. She's working for a man who hardly knows she's alive. Her own dog hates her. A blind date stole her stereo. <laughs> who was I talking about again? But it is it is this great little monologue and be like, hey, the show just pissed me off and now it's stampeded. Cece actually making a good joke. Yeah. And the humor being that like, oh, Cece and Fran are also are actually very similar. And uh, Fran's life is kind of sad and emphasizes that Cece's life is very sad. And the fact that she got her stereo stolen on a blind <laughs> date. It's so good. Which is so weird because she didn't take her car. <laughs> no, that's a joke that I've just made up, but that's how you make a bit better. I'm very good at comedy. Yeah, I mean, this it was a really good CC bit, and it's just totally, for a modern audience, it's trampled by the fact that it, it, it follows a joke that, wait, a, you know, quote-unquote joke that is transphobic, that just absolutely pulls you out of the moment. I mean, a modern, a modern audience, as in, like, an audience that is now more aware that it is yeah. problematic, of a... It was bad if you were if you happen to be a trans woman uh, who is maybe enjoying the show, uh, finding out Niles wants to do a DNA test on you to find out whether or not what he should treat you as a woman. It's not great. It's not ideal, no. Um, but uh, Niles outlines in very plain terms. She's upset because it's her one year anniversary of starting to work here. And you whiffed it. You missed it entirely. And that's when uh, Maxwell, to his credit, is like, well, shit, I've got to go to Bloomingdale's. I've got to get out there. I've got yeah. to get a card. Uh, Niles also points out that this is like, this is a known shitty thing about Maxwell yeah. is that he does not remember these dates. Yeah. He doesn't remember when Niles started working for him, which is ridiculous because it is implied that Niles is like, Niles is a family butler. Like, yeah. His father worked for Maxwell's father. There are, I don't know if we've seen that episode or if it's in a later episode, but like they've known each other as children. I think that's, I think that's coming up later. I know that the Niles' family history and his association with the, the Sheffields changes depending on what they need the story to be. Yeah, but it isn't like they have always kind of yeah. been together. Yeah. Uh, like it's literally been an always, an yeah. always thing. And Maxwell does not even acknowledge Niles' birthday. Yeah. And Cece even says, like, you know, you and I have been business partners for 10 years and you've never acknowledged the anniversary even once. And that's when Maxwell realizes, oh, I fucked fuck. I fucked fuck. You fucked fuck. I meant to say fucked up. But my brain <laughs> immediately thought about the, oh, you done fucked up a Aaron bit. And so instead of saying that, my brain said, you fucked fuck. <laughs> you fucked 
fucked, fuck. You fucked, fuck. So that's when he's like, I've got to go to Bloomingdale's. It's like, well, no, you can't because we've got to go to this this award show. We don't have time, which Maxwell concedes is the case. They don't have time. So off they go. Cut to Fran and Yetta and Gracie. And Gracie is telling Yetta a story that doesn't really go anywhere, which is, I'm going to say, a very nice inversion of what you usually get when you see an old person and a young person talking. Because usually it's the Grandpa Simpson. There's an interesting story behind this nickel. I got up one morning to make myself a piece of toast. I set the toast to the three medium brown. Like, I have that memorized because it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite bits. Yetta is, Yetta makes a joke, leans over to Fran and says, ha ha, I yearn for the sweet release of death. And Fran's like, like, don't, don't worry, Gracie, your, your kill powers won't work on me because I sure as hell wish they would. (laughs) Fran says, uh, why don't we play hide and seek? Uh, which is a great adult way to just like, I'm going to tell this kid to fuck off. This kid can just fuck off. Did that happen to you when you were a kid? Um, I don't necessarily remember it happening to me. I did definitely do it at my brother. There there were many times we would do it with either hide and seek or he figured out hide and seek. Uh, we so we would do ring around the rosy. Mm. So we do ring around the rosy, and when I gradually moved him over to uh, his bedroom, and then uh, at the we all fall down, I would shove him into his bedroom and shut the door. Okay, (laughs) none of that's great. I've done worse to my sister, but I, but I carry that shame, you know? I don't. Um, he deserved it. <laughs> uh, this is, this is of course, the brother. I don't know if we've talked about this before. You tried to gaslight him into into believing his name was different. Oh, yeah. He used to tell him his name was Nathaniel until he cried. <laughs> He's bitter on this podcast. He also would throw Hot Wheels at my head. Yeah. The metal ones. The good ones, you mean. So Gracie goes off to hide. Fran does not go looking for her. I do not remember the conversation because I was very interested in the newspaper that Fran was reading, which brings us back to Jesus because it's it's clearly like a weekly world news or something. And there's something like the arrival of a 500 foot Jesus statue at the UN or something but like that. But it explicitly that. says new 500 new. foot Jesus statue. Appears at like UN. It's not, it's not an old one. It's not the one that they already got. It's they a got rid new of, one. They got rid of the old one was actually technically only 498. They got rid of that one. They wheeled in the new new one um there's another page where you can see bigfoot there's also another page where you can see the word rapist yeah there's something about a rapist yeah and it's very prominent like i feel like they should have reshot this and had that page like taped up or taped down so you couldn't see it i I honestly feel like it's something where they were not this was never made to be seen by human eyes at this resolution (laughs) yeah this was not made for this resolution like i wouldn't be surprised like if it is a regular week of world news. It's something that they kind of have on hand. No one's actually going to really be able to read this, but if they see the front cover, it's not anything that's particularly dated. Yeah. It's just, here's some fake nonsense. Yeah. On the back, there's some bullshit about vitamins. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's what we were focused on to the point where I do not know what they were talking about. What were they talking about in this uh, scene? They were t- just uh, reiterating that Fran was upset yeah. that Maxwell did not remember and how this is a common thing with the fine women, that they are too subtle because... Ha ha he he, they're all loud women. There's also a, a little bit about how the men in their family don't speak up and never say anything, which is apparently how Yetta's husband died. He choked he, he choked on a chicken bone or something to that effect. <laughs> and if only he could have said, help, I'm choking on a chicken bone. I think that was the joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just uh, her being upset is a continuation of uh, Yetta misreading Fran's relationship with Maxwell and thinking that they are married. Yep. Um, there are some, like, 
implications of like, oh, you don't like, you don't have sex enough. Like, oh no, we never have sex. Like not even on your birthday. Yet I assume that this relationship is already romantic because she's reading the season six scripts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I think that's kind of where the scene more or less ends. We go back to the Maxwell house where Niles, Fran, and at least one of the kids is sitting in front of the TV and Fran calls, well, your dad's on TV and he won. Because he won. He won his award. Uh, And then we cut to Maxwell and Cece at the podium accepting the award, which appears to be some kind of glass swan. Yeah. uh, Cece's very excited about the award and Maxwell uh, has the microphone. Uh, I'd like to thank my three wonderful children and a very special thanks to the woman without whose help I wouldn't be here tonight. Miss Fran Fine. Aww. Happy anniversary, Miss Fine. Fran is very, uh, like, warm-hearted. Uh, Cece is distraught, yeah. which makes sense, because she does not get the chance to speak on the microphone. Um, she does not get the chance to thank anyone or talk about her uh, commitment to this thing when... It has already been said that she's the one who arranged everything. Yeah, she arranged the travel. She probably put up the money to be considered for the award in the first place. Yeah, it is. Uh, it does a lot of work with Maxwell to get this stuff done. And is not even fucking acknowledged. Yeah. Uh, so she passes out. Yeah, And then uh, it turns out it is Cece is the one who is out on her fanny this week. Yeah, her her vagina is just on display on national television, apparently. Yeah, as uh, Fran covers Brighton's eyes and uh, Niles covers his own. Maxwell is back home. They are all in the kitchen. I don't know. It's like, it's kind of implied that it's the same night, but it wouldn't make sense with like the flight stuff. It could be very early in the morning. Yeah. Maxwell is back, and uh, this is when they bring back the point. Yes, of, I remember this. Uh, Fran saying, "Why wouldn't you expect anyone else to call for me or to like want me as a nanny if you think that I'm a good nanny?" And Maxwell like kind of stumbles, and then eventually gets to the point of like, "Oh well, it's because you, it's because you're too sexy. You're too sexy. You're too sexy, and you got big titties. And I'm a, I'm a single man." But no wife would hire you so that their husbands, like, they can't with that, with that dump truck ass under their nose. You, you have those, those, uh, boobits and Dan, you f- girl, you're Bobbies. <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan Fryne, you're Bobbies. Uh, indeed. And, uh, Fran says, oh, I accept that. She leaves the room. Maxwell's like, Maxwell says to, to, uh, Niles, I got away with my big old lie. And Franz goes, I heard that. End of episode. Except there is something during the credits. It is Cece gluing back together the glass swan award they were she's given. Caref- she's so carefully, she delicately. To- and you can see, like, she finally gets it. And she's so proud of herself. And she tries to walk out of the kitchen. And Fran yells and just pushes the door open. And Cece drops the swan. Yeah, Cece drops the, drops the swan. Oh! Swan. It's broken! And then Niles swoops in to start sweeping up the mess. And I feel so bad for Cece for this episode. This is a rough one for Cece. This is a rough... Cece did nothing wrong! Cece did nothing wrong part two. She did nothing wrong. She did her job. It's not her job to know when Fran's... 
anniversary anniversary is. That's not her thing. Also, this is like a once in a lifetime engagement. Yeah. Maxwell could have done something on Friday of, hey, I know I'm out of town on Saturday. But of course, he fucking wouldn't because he's not. He's He's inattentive. He's a piece of shit. Also, Uh, could have thanked Funk. Could have thanked them both. Could have thanked Cece and then thanked Fran. Yeah. Number of there's a number of things he could have done here. He also could have made arrangements when he was while he was on the way to the airport to have something delivered. Like there's so there are so many different configurations. It's I know it's the nineties, he doesn't have a smartphone, but he does have staff. Yeah, he got a buttload of money. There's so many things he could be doing. You know, he's got he's he is not without the means. And Cece is doing her fucking job. Yeah. She is being a good business partner. Yeah. She is lining up this great achievement for them, doing all this stuff, is uh, very explicitly, like, also sad and lonely yeah. and is not getting the credit that she deserves. And it's not getting, not getting any attention even. They, they kind of dismiss what she was talking about and they pretend that they didn't hear it. Like, she's in the room talking about how sad and lonely she is and how a blind date stole her stereo. <laughs> And they were just like, well, what about Fran? If I was Cece, we'd be looking at a postal situation. Yeah. Uh, And she finally gets her fucking award. And she's like putting together on Happy and it's destroyed. Oh, it's heartbreaking. This is a rough episode. There's an episode that they filmed and then must have like archived because it's too dark. Where it's like the nanny falling down. And it's Cece just like, everything's gone too wrong. And she goes on a spree. And no one can blame her. She's, this is the episode where, like, Cece as a character that's kind of the punching bag, I don't, I mean, metaphorically, but even still, I'm not, I think that that kind of character, particularly when you have it as a woman who is supposed to be smart and capable, she's a Broadway producer, for fuck's sake, that's a rough character to begin with, but when you are punching this much, this frequently, it just, it just doesn't sit well. Yeah, it it's a bit too much, and I like it when she gets to fight back. She doesn't yeah. really get a chance to fight back. Yeah, she's gone to she's. We're not at the point yet where it's a full on back and forth with her and Niles, but she she is starting to get some of her own lines in. Yeah, but it, like this episode is everyone is punching yeah, down it's on Cece, and it is rough. It's cruel. <laughs> but that's the episode. What did you think? It's fine. Yeah. Um, it's an episode, like, there are some great jokes that I like in it, uh, but there's also some horrible jokes. Yeah. And I don't feel like all of it necessarily works. Um, you mentioned while we were watching again if there are a few scenes that seem like they were cut short. Yeah. Like, there was more happening and they had to, like, kind of t- cut them for time. It feels very there. And again, it's an episode that I watched it and it did not It just washes over me. you. Yeah. Yeah. It feel like it feels like an episode of bits. Yeah. Of there's like minor bits and trying to remember the actual plot of this episode. It yeah. just kind of, yeah. And it's like we we've identified one scene or at least one moment in one scene that is genuinely brilliant. It's which is the uh, Mrs. Klein's body scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the episode around it, like it's not a bad. I mean, as a premise, it's very like oh, Fran becomes a den mother for a group of Girl Scouts. As a premise. It feels very sitcom-y, but also this is a sitcom, so fine, okay. But it doesn't, it never really, the the content of the humour and the situations that arise from it, with the exception of the Mrs. Klein's body part, body part? The part with Mrs. Klein's body, never really 
rise above the rote nature of the narrative as yeah. presented. You know, you know what I feel? I feel it's two B-plots. It's two mm. B-plots strung together. Trick yeah. is trying to figure out, because they they have a plot of Fran's one-year anniversary, and they have a plot of the nursing home situation. Neither of those necessarily... I mean, I guess, like, the Fran's one-year anniversary is more, of like, story-wise. Yeah. But it... It doesn't rise to the occasion of an A-plot. It almost feels like I would not be surprised if that was, if they wrote it almost as a different episode. If these were two different episodes that they kind of stitched together, where neither of these had working A-plots, or maybe the, like, the Fran anniversary thing didn't have a working B-plot, and so they kind of, like, it feels very stitched together, and so neither of, like, these two things really have the stamina to kind of stand on their own as the A-plot. Which, for me, is worrying this early in the season, because usually the way that a writer's room works, if if someone pitches an idea, they'll go, okay, well, maybe we'll take this and we'll do something else with it, we'll pair it with with a worthy A-plot, but we've got two B-plots kind of neither one really doing an effective job of vying for uh, dominance. Yeah, because they both feel like they're vying, and I also feel like that's a problem with, like, neither of them... They're at, like, the same level, where I I need one of them to stand up, but I also need the other one to withdraw. Yeah. A bit. And neither of them do that. Yeah, so they're just kind of, like, together, and I'm supposed to give them the same amount of attention. It's it's a, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup, which is it's peanut butter and also peanut butter, which is uh, unsustainable. You may as well just eat, just eat, <laughs> just eat the peanut butter, but that's not what we're here for. We want the chocolate and the peanut butter, and there's no chocolate. The chocolate doesn't happen. Both plot threads think they're chocolate, and they're both peanut butter. Is that anything? Uh, maybe. Cool. And it might also be a thing, like, in fairness to them, maybe this was something that if they'd had more time, if this was an episode that they could do later in the season would yeah. be better. But because this is around the time that the show has been going on mm. for a year, so it's like, oh, we gotta do the anniversary yeah. bit. Which I feel like it, that could be a, an A story, and certainly the booklet that comes with the DVDs thinks it's the A story, but it doesn't do enough to justify being the A story. That story needs more meat on its bone because, as you've said, you have two B stories as a result of this. There's not enough meat on the narrative of either bone yeah. That's it, not working as an analogy, it almost, it almost feels like the A story would have actually been the bit of someone else wants to take Fran. Yeah. Of someone else wants Fran as their nanny, and Fran is unappreciated here. But they realize that, like, oh, that's kind of a ridiculous promise, and they didn't do it. Yeah. So they make jokes and references to it, but they don't actually have another emotional hook. Yeah. And so their emo- their emotional hook is coming from the other B plot of Gracie and her dying grandmas, but it's completely unrelated. So I'm not ac- there's no actual yeah. emotional through line. Yeah, it doesn't connect. It is just Maxwell is kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And particularly if you are trying, like, all of the episodes have been leading up to like putting them more as like kind of romantic uh, persons. Yeah. And this is a step back because Maxwell is an asshole. Yeah, it it kind of it doesn't undo the previous the romantic gestures from the previous episode, but it, previous episodes I should say. But it does feel like you could air this episode anywhere except for after the episode it just followed. You know, like this is the worst time for this episode. Yeah, it is the worst time of the like, oh look how good we fit together. Yeah, but also I don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Do you know, to kind of lead into your 2B plots thing, 
the the booklet gives the synopsis as Fran anxiously anticipates a big party on her first anniversary with the Sheffields. The episode title is Curse of the Grandmas, which links to the Red Robin Gracie storyline. So it it's neither. Like yeah, it it doesn't it just doesn't work. I, I I'm not other than the 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 thigh master joke. None of this episode really clicks for me. It's it's very very skippable. Yeah, it is very skippable, and it has transphobia in it, so why bother? Yeah, you skip it, skip it, and uh, let's uh, talk about next week's episode instead. Yeah. So what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching Season 2, Episode 6, The Nanny Napper. Fran is mistakenly accused of kidnapping a baby Cece. Oh, no, sorry. Of kidnapping a baby. Cece is horrified when a prostitute recognizes her as a former colleague. Oh, no. I don't think this episode is going to be great to sex workers. (sighs) No. Or babies. No. I did misread this as baby CC. A baby CC. Yeah, that could, that would that would be a fun. A slutty story. baby CC. Slutty baby CC. It's 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 an OMG lol surprise baby of CC. Oh, she would make a great a great slutty baby. <laughs> Well, look, at, right. I didn't, I did not get a chance to mention, but part of the reason why I feel bad for Cece is that episode. Cece had a great outfit this episode. This, oh, yeah. Her fucking gray suit and that, uh, like, it was a white shirt and it had, like, red trim on it. It was, it was divine. Mm. It was a very, very good suit. And it was around the time that uh, Fran had mismatched beiges. And I was like, thank you, Cece, for giving me uh, a, a good three-piece set that is looking very nice. Cece is swerving the fashion disaster that Fran is serving up and serving looks of her own. Cece outfits Fran this week. Yeah. It's pretty great. Justice for Cece. Yeah. Um, But I'll tell you what, we're not going to get justice for the listeners who have had to put up with our bullshit for the last hour. Thank you so much for listening to Out on Her Fanny. If you are enjoying the show inexplicably and you want to uh, tell people about it, please do itty bitty podcasts like ours. Live and die by word of mouth and we would certainly appreciate yours. Mandy, where can people find the show on the social medias? People can find the show at Out on Her Fanny on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Cool. And our website is oofcast.com. That's O-O-H-F cast, C-A-S-T dot com. Mandy, if people want to find out what you're doing with your day-to-day life, where can they find you on the social medias? Oh, yeah. You can find me at Mandy Quesadilla. I am also available on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Cool. And I can be found at Ben Padden on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you are in the Los Angeles area, I will be performing at Flappers Comedy Club in the YooHoo Room on... Thursday, December 16th at 7.30pm as part of the Moss Eisley Cantina Comedy Show. Uh, Tickets can be bought at the Flappers website, which I think is flapperscomedy.com, or you can just Google Flappers Burbank. Or maybe I'll just tweet the link. I'm sure I would have tweeted the link by now, so you can just follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash benpadden. I realized, I remembered I have a thing. I will also likely, if you're in the Los Angeles or Pasadena area, I will uh, be at Anime Pasadena uh, for a panel. Uh, It's 11 a.m. on Saturday, discussing uh, mental health things nice. so sure gonna be a great time and if you're not in the pasadena or los angeles area on su- saturday saturday so that went a bit bat berry there saturday. Is, that, is that your ma- I don't it's think not that. my matt berry voice it's just it's just me being it loud was very high up yes it was because 
that it's a, yeah. it's a low it's a low pitch voice but uh, if you aren't in the Pasadena area on Saturday and you want something to do, uh, me and my friend Will Overgaard uh, will be streaming a Worms Armageddon tournament on his Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash viking underscore blonde. That's blonde with an E. Uh, we'll be commentating. I will also be participating because I'm history's greatest monster. Are you history's greatest monster? Do you think I'm history's greatest monster? No, I don't think I don't think you know Spawn. Okay, cool. So you're saying I need to work on my image and work on my marketing, like my yeah, you gotta awareness. Yeah, you got to be historic in your monstrosity. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll work on that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. And yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina. Explicitly, uh, Cece's vagina was out. And Brighton saw it. And everyone saw her vagina. And it was out. This goddamn plane! Part of the problem of us uh, doing it later is I've had uh, more time to put drinks in yeah, my body. Yeah, it's a bad idea. We should record at four in the morning. <laughs> when you're hungover. Hi, hey, welcome to on a Fanny. Oh, for fuck's sake. Grand Geek Gathering. 